Welcome to Authentic Influence with host Anthony Chansamuth, the show where we get real and share the stories and struggles, strategies and tactics of successful influencers and entrepreneurs so that you too can take action to create the life and business that you choose. And now over to Anthony. Welcome to Authentic Influence Live. This is Anthony Chance to move from simplecreativemarketing.com. And today we are talking about how to build a B2B sales pipeline using LinkedIn. And uh, this is a timely topic and a great topic as we start kicking off the new year. Uh, I've got my good friend, Nicholas Thicket. Uh, who will be joining me in a second. Uh, let me just give you an intro to who Nicholas is. Um, at 17, Nick's dreams of a law degree were accidentally transformed into a career in professional sales. Uh, he advanced quickly in professional services, financial services, and corporate finance until his hustle earned him a 30-day all-inclusive hospital visit that flipped his world upside down. Uh, for those of you who know my story, uh, we have similar stories. We both uh, ended up in in... in uh, hospital because of the hustle. So, uh, warning for you: if you're going crazy on the hustle, just pay attention to what's going on with your body and your mind. Now, Nicholas realized the way he was taught to sell didn't align with how people wanted to buy, which forced excessively long hours and wasted effort. And he began studying social psychology, neuroscience, and behavioral behavioral economics to evolve how we sell. Now, Nick's the marketing manager at KO Advantage and the host of the B2B Power Hour podcast, which uh, I think is a weekly show running on uh, LinkedIn Live, and it's also on all your popular podcast platforms. And uh, Nick says the future of sales is here for those that are ready. So let's bring Nick to the stage. Welcome, my friend. Long time no see. How's it going? Yeah, uh, still, you know, as we were just talking about this, I'm still blocked from LinkedIn and trying to sort that out. Um, and then I can apply all these amazing things that you're going to share with us today <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad to hear that you're happy and healthy and everything's okay and yeah linkedin's a little bit uh finicky sometimes but this is this is a good note for you guys doesn't matter what social platform you're on they're being very careful now about becoming or being known as salesy you know mm. marketing is more than just promotion and ads and unfortunately they're watching for it and they don't always get it right. Cause even though you're busy or somebody's popular, sometimes I think, you know, you're getting spammed and, but that's okay. That's, that's something for another day. Well, we will, I think we'll, we'll circle back to that when we get into the, the process of, you know, of demand gen and whatnot, but um, yeah, family's great. Uh, you know, health's getting better. I've lost. Um, so my, one of my goals this year, Nick is to lose uh, 10 kilos. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. And, and really focus on, on my, physical and mental well-being that's been mm -hmm. you know, taken a toll over the last two years um as it has for many um and so i've been going strong and and, and doing well in the first 30 days let's see how we go um how are you being my friend how what's going on over there you're in uh, uh remind me again, you're alberta there. canada alberta that's right yes you're the one person i know who lives in alberta okay and how's it going Cowboys. over there in Calgary? yeah uh it's been good i actually as the show's coming out, I have actually left KO and I am now in limbo. And so the B2B power hour has been exploding because I have had time. And so I don't know what's next yet. 
but I'm sure I will in a week or two. It's just, as you know, with mental health and anybody that's going through this right now, it's so nice not have to rush, not have to worry about bills and everything. When you treat in sales, you got to treat it like an entrepreneur. Because if you're always, you know, waiting for the company to go and help you out, they don't have your best interest at heart. And so take your time. If you need time, I don't know where I want to go yet. I don't know what I want to sell yet. But just remember, at the end of the day, it's your reputation that's on the line. So make sure it's a good fit. Yep. Got to find that good fit. Wise words, wise words indeed. And I'm actually glad that we are starting the conversation with uh, some a reality check here around just you know uh, your transition being in a place of what's next um, and taking the time to, to to really do that. I think uh, you know for me the pandemic really forced that upon myself. Like that was more of a okay, you've been going full speed uh, at, at trying to build this business and and, and doing certain activities uh, and even getting blocked from LinkedIn was actually helpful as well because it just meant okay if I take that away and, and a lot of my time is consumed there, um, mm-hmm. what am I doing instead? And, and, and actually one of the benefits for me has been actually a better relationship with my wife. Like to be honest, it's oh, been being more awesome. present, you know, not on the phone all the time, sending messages to people and, um, and going on walks and these sort of things and uh, getting deep into what do I want sort of my life and, and my, my business to look like moving forward. Um, and what kind of work do I want to be doing? That's meaningful. I know that's, that's something that's power, uh, really uh, based on, on your history and past conversations we've had, that's important to you. Um, so good on you, man. Like, good on you for, for taking that space uh, to do that. Now, let's um, jump into the, the topic of the day here, which is around uh, building a pipeline on LinkedIn. Um, you're one of the, the a few people that I, I, I would say do that really well. Um, Thank you. And just, you know, I just as part of the, the research for this episode, I just look at the last, I had to log log in through my wife's account and look at, you know, what you've been doing over there on LinkedIn and, and your engagement is, you know, really, really great. Like I'm seeing people tuning into your episodes, uh, to your lives and also just posting comments on your, on different things that you've been sharing. Um, why don't we just start off with, uh, why you feel LinkedIn is the place to be for B2B, uh, in 2022. What a great question so right now think about the last big purchase that you made that you bought what how did you go through it and if you think back you know if, if you knew and i'll use the suit as example like you're, you have to buy a suit if you don't know where to go you're going to talk to your best dressed friend or you're going to go to a community that you trust or you're going to talk to family it's usually nowadays searching online isn't usually your first option And if you do search online, you're still going to be looking at what your peers think and going through reviews. And so why LinkedIn is because LinkedIn, you're going to actually tap into your peers to go and buy. And so like the suit, you did all your research, then you show up at the suit store. You have an idea of what you want and you won't talk to that salesperson unless you have a question or you need a prescription or you need to collaborate with them. And so this is where B2B gets really complex is people make it complex. But once you go through, you go and figure out your sizing, you find something that's within your price range, you buy it. This is where the complexity should kick in, in fulfillment, because you're going to get tailored to you. And that's when it'll, it'll change. But now with LinkedIn, so you get to go and have 
your own personal brand out there. So it's not just the company, it's you as well. And you get to go and reach out, talk to people, build a reputation and be that source of information that brings people to you. And I originally was too young when I was in M&A advisory, mergers and acquisitions. And so I used to hide behind my LinkedIn instead of cold calling and emailing so that I could prove that I knew what I was talking about before they talked to me. And it gave me an opportunity to have those conversations that they just wouldn't have with me otherwise. And so it was, it was a huge change. And that's not just selling. And this is where the biggest opportunity is missed with LinkedIn is because all too often people just sell. They have it as a promo reel. And I made this mistake a while back and it wasn't until somebody actually pointed it out to me and being in the hospital that I, I really changed it. And I wanted to know like, what, what value do I bring to the table? Everybody has a job and in those jobs, there's things that get in your way of doing good work. What are those things? Not you particular. Think about your customers. What is getting in the way of them doing good work? And so once you know where that friction is, that is your content. That is what you're putting out in the world because you're going to help people realize what's going on. And you can even think of it too. What are those five or 10 things that people need to know before they reach out to you? And so that's your concept. First off, you need to know how you're helping people. Once you know how you're helping people, you attract the right people. And so this all starts with your profile. The big thing you're going to want is a good tagline that follows that value that you offer. If you do something really simple, like I help companies grow by 12%, it doesn't help people quickly figure out what you do. You have to go a step deeper and you actually have to go and say, no, email sucks. Uh, Social selling is what produces high performance teams now. Just an example, but it's something that people don't expect that shows what value you bring. And it's kind of that A versus B, apples versus oranges. Make it very clear so they understand. And then your profile picture. You know, maybe if I'm dealing with enterprise or mid-market large companies, how I'm dressed today, you know, with my hat and just casual gear might not be acceptable to them because it doesn't bring the right image. And so you might want to go and look at how do you need to show up for your customers in a way that is approachable that you look professional and approachable because smiling, they've even found with LinkedIn has a, I think it was a 65 or 67% increase in connection rates, just smiling in your profile picture. And don't make sure, you know, make sure you're not doing the whole like selfie and there's like a bar in the background or there's a group of friends and nobody knows who you are. The way to get personal on social is to go and put your best self forward and make sure they know it's you. So Profile picture, tagline. Now, anytime you're commenting or doing something, that's what people see. So it's really critical because that's what will track them to click on your profile. When they're on your profile, what they're going to do is look at your banner image and go, hmm, what value do you bring to me? Why you? And so now they'll go on if it aligns. And a lot of people have a picture of skyscrapers or clouds or fluffy garbage that really doesn't tell people what they do. And so their profile isn't a landing page or a resource hub. It's just another profile. And so you don't stand out. So people don't have any reason to follow you. As soon as I started to dial this in, 
it started to really change and people started to seek me out and they started to follow me. And right now I'm actually in the process of doing another rebuild because it should never be static. I change my profile every three to six months by what my customers tell me. One of the things I'll ask them all the time is, why did you meet with me today? And I pay attention to the words they use and then recording Zoom calls is a great way to do this because they'll tell you how they wanna be sold, what their real problem is. And when you align that with your social media, it tells people how you can help. So profile picture, tagline, you got your banner. What's next? A lot of time they'll look at your featured images. So just below they'll be featured and LinkedIn has changed the way with creator mode that you have, I think it's five that you can have now where you can only have two or three before. And it, it depending on how many you have will depend on how big they are. And so this is, think of it like a website. Do you want to give them a free resource to prove your worth? Do you want to get them into a community? Do you want to get them into a demo? But why? Why would they want to do that? What's the value? And so you go through all of this. Yeah. So there, yeah, go down a little bit further. So here's the featured. And I can tell you the reason why I put this tactical series, how to properly social sell. I get asked this question at least 10 times a week. And so I wanted to go and give people a resource so they didn't have to go and sit and meet with me in order to jump in. And so I it's really that. powerful to have something like this. Mm. And then if we go over a little bit, that's the podcast. And the whole point of the podcast was to be a resource. And I wanted to go and have those sales conversations that people weren't having because now we're, you know, we're stuck remote and a lot of people are suffering in silence, not having access to the right people. So I put this in because people kept asking for more information. And so I just have the two right now, but think about what is your main offering? What do you want people to do when they're on your profile? Do you want to meet with them right away? Do you want to sell an ebook? Do you just think of something simple? It doesn't, you don't have to sell anything. You could also just offer free value that gets people started. Next, you'll want to go and dive into just below into about. And the about is your story. It's your narrative. And so, oh, maybe it... Uh, You're talking about the profile section? Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I went and changed mine. <laughs> Look at me go. Yeah. I'll have to fix that. But your about section is really talking about why you? What do you know about them? And so there's two different ways to do this. You can treat it like a landing page on an on a website and you sell yourself. Or you can be like a resource hub and you sell how you know them, how well you know them, what they're going through, and you can talk about their problems. One thing I might change this to is buyers prefer virtual selling because you know the trade shows and the cold calling that they typically lean on just isn't working anymore. And they don't know when trade shows are going to fire back up. And so their pipeline, it doesn't exist, their sales pipeline. So they don't know what they're going to close next month. And they're getting really antsy because now they're going to have to tell investors why they're not making as much money. So you got to, this comes from what salespeople or what, uh, what they're telling you in your sales meetings. And then below, you'll have your experience. And there's a couple different ways of looking at this. Experience can be really simple. You can just write all the different titles because people will respect different titles. Or you can write, what did you learn? 
what was the experiment and the value that you brought to that company relevant to who you're talking to now? Or things you're proud of? What did you accomplish that is meaningful that, you know, is a humble brag? And then if you go down lower, you'll get some of the extras like education where you can leverage these elements to go and use as an association. Hey, look at, we both took an Akimbo course together. Or, hey, we both took different Akimbo courses. Uh, what did you think of the copywriting course? Or what did you think of, you know, the story selling or story, the storytelling course? And it, it's, it's an opportunity to start a conversation by association. Same with your connections. Hey, you know Anthony? I know Anthony. Maybe we should get to know each other. It's, it's just a conversation starter. Volunteering, especially if anybody's younger and they're, they just don't have that company working experience yet, this is a great way to paint the same image as your work experience, but through volunteering. It's also another great opportunity to build associations with people that you can leverage in a meaningful way. License and certifications is just proof of what you know and that you're investing in yourself. Skills, that's a big one. Hmm. What, what happens as people are searching in the algorithm, the more that you are recommended by a source, and so as you're endorsed, so say like Mike Freed endorsed me, and he's recognized as being highly skilled. Now, when you search business development, it bumps me up a little bit more. There's more to it than just having those skills. But what do you want to be known for? What are those key skills that help you every day that are a big advantage to your customers? Make sure those are on there. I did mine originally back in the day when people could recommend you for skills. So I actually never put any of these in here. This is just what people put in for me. And so something we can take advantage of now because we have control. Now, just below is recommendations. These are your testimonials. So if somebody's looking through your profile and they're like, oh, that sounds good. And before you meet with them, what do they want to do? They want to go and see, do you know, can you actually help me? You know, is it is it fluffy or is there real value here? Did you actually help somebody with the same problem? And so this is your way of using your customers to explain where you bring value. And if you schedule this in every week, you can keep adding to this and give unexpected value to your customers and your colleagues by doing it to, for them as well. A thoughtful testimonial because what goes around comes around. 100%. That's, that's your profile. This is really, you can make it as simple as you want. If you scroll back up, yeah, just right, uh, just yeah, right there. So just right here, uh, a little bit further up. One of the things that people now look for is activity. How often do you post? Do you post every week or do you post and ghost? Because this happens a lot too, where people just aren't existent. If you're in sales and you're building pipeline, look at everybody's activity section to see if they're active. It tells you whether or not LinkedIn is the right channel for you to prospect. Hmm. You can also search this when you're building your account list. Now, your profile's done. We're, we get into some of the nitty gritty of how to make it work. What do you think, Amp? You ready? Yeah. Uh, before we jump into into um, 
sales navigator and and sort of that process i, I really like what you've done with the profile and, and you're like the whole sort of my takeaway from this is is really just optimizing for the person you're trying to reach right so it gets a bit complicated if you have multiple segments multiple sectors and those sort of things um but at, at, at the root of all this you know talking about personal brand we've had you know personal brand experts on the show before uh the key thing is what are the values that kind of tie all those things together um even for an, a large organization they would have kind of their core values and a core mission and a primary objective um and then that's sort of where you're leading with um so this is uh, all, all fantastic and I, I, I love what, how you demonstrated that with your own profile and i love your, that you're in an evolution so therefore it is going to update and tweak you know every three to six months um something i'm curious about is uh, for this to work you really need to understand your buyer it, right and, and, yeah the primary thing yeah not and i know product. yeah and i know you've been talking about this on, on b2b power hour uh and forever uh is is one of the biggest challenges salespeople have is actually understanding who it is they're selling to mm -hmm. why do you think that's such a big challenge and and, and how what are one or two tips you, you would recommend for them to kind of address that I love that you bring this question up. It, it's hard. It's the most common question I get asked is, who should I be talking to? And um, a lot of that comes from a lot of companies will spend a lot of money on you knowing their product better than anyone else, but will not spend a single dollar on telling you who the best customer is for that product. And so one of the best ways to do this is a win-loss analysis. If you can, not all companies will open the books to let you see. So you look at the top 10 most profitable companies and you stack them up together and you look at what you can see is common. You also want to pay attention to the communication and what roles were involved in that transaction, in that process. And then you can take the, the last 10 sales that you lost, close lost, and see what happened. And so what I like to do, and not all, like I said, not all companies will let you do this, but you do customer interviews and you really want to get into their heads of why did you buy from us? What was going on that uh, made you think about this? So you're looking at those triggers. You're looking at, you know, what built that process where you felt you could trust the salespeople and that you were getting the right information and that we were the right fit. And why did you decide to change and why now? And then ask the same questions to the ones that were lost, but on the angle of why not us? What, uh, where did you feel uncomfortable in this process that you didn't feel like it was a good fit or what was missing? And one question that's really good is how would you describe us? And so get that from the best customer versus the one you lost and see what the difference is. And a lot of this too is just the way that we're presenting ourselves doesn't align with the truth. And so sometimes that's a sales issue or sometimes it's marketing, but it's our job to keep refining, just like I'm refining my profile, we have to keep refining our language and our tools to make sure that we're communicating the best way we can. Those, let me just pop back in here. Uh, okay. So yeah, so I'm just recapping. So why not ask, how would you describe us? I love that. And I love that you're abdicating that you speak to not only those accounts that you've won, but also the ones that where you've lost. Mm -hmm. And I think, maybe there's some kind of uh, i've certainly experienced this but there can be some reservation or some um uh, you know uh, 
some fear around speaking to to the lost accounts um, or to the, the people who represent those accounts, uh, and maybe it's because we we don't want to hear the answer. <laughs> um, but but I think it, it's Fair. to your point, the best organizations will do it because it actually highlights where is there a disconnect between the messaging. So you're putting all this activity into you know marketing and and, and putting information out. Um, but if if you know, you speak to someone where, where you've lost a sale and they say, well, we feel that you don't do this thing particularly well. Uh, and, and you know, actually, we do that really well. Uh, there's a disconnect, right? We haven't communicated it properly uh, and you can adjust. Awesome. All right. Now let's jump into um, uh, demand generation and, and, and or pipeline and, and how, yeah, what are your kind of steps? So for someone listening to this saying, okay, love it. You've kind of sold me on why I got to be on, on LinkedIn um, profile. Yes, I'm going to optimize it or it will be great. Uh, and then now it's, it's how do I actually find the, the right accounts? How do I actually go and, and, and go? What's the process and how do I not come across as one of those spammers who gets my account blocked? <laughs> yeah, people are on LinkedIn, like we were saying earlier, because they're looking for information. But most of the time, they just want to connect with their peers and they want to learn and they want to engage. And so... It, it's so critical to figure out who you're talking to and who you should interact with because it fires up this whole process. And so who are those companies that you're focusing on? Who are those people? And so in Sales Navigator, there's something called account lists and lead lists. Account lists are your companies. So what are the, they call it firmographic fit. So where where are they in the world? How big are they? How, is it by headcount? Is it by, do you wanna focus on a department? How many people are in that department? If it's growing, do you want to focus on companies that have a certain size LinkedIn profile to make sure they're actually investing into LinkedIn? There's hundreds of different things that you can track. But where people go wrong with this is they build too big of lists that are too broad. And so one of the things that's been a game changer for me and people that I worked with is you build a list that is 50 or less and pay attention to what you're what the criteria is that you're putting in there. And it'll actually build a little profile of that segment. And so maybe it's, you know, computer software in um, accounts receivable for companies uh, that are, they're selling to small to medium sized businesses. There's going to be something they're going to have. Maybe they're growing by 50% every year. Uh, they only have a hundred people that follow them on LinkedIn there's so many different things to go and track, but you have to get it down to 50 or less so that it's very targeted and very similar. The more similar, the better it is for you're doing your outreach because you're gonna have the same types of conversations over and over. Now lead lists are an extension of that and you can actually sort by lead lists and they're your personas. So like, Anthony, who would you guys target? You would do like what would what types of companies would you target, and then what type of who do you talk to typically in those companies? So yeah, we we work with uh, our best clients right now. Are, so one million dollar plus uh, services, so professional services. We're talking about accountants, uh, legal. Um, we also have up to business consultants filling that category as well. Um, and so one mil up to about three mil is kind of the, the range. Uh, one to ten staff, uh, sort of that's company size, um, and in terms of what the role is, I'd say director, CEO, founder, co-founder. Um, on the rare occasion, I've also spoken to the marketing 
um, they, they might have a marketing lead or, or a marketing director, but at this size, they, they don't usually they don't have that role just yet, right? Yeah, not till they get probably to that two to three, and they're kind of probably that fifteen to twenty employees. Yeah, and I've noticed that they'd have a sales ratio of probably about five, five to ten to one. The mm-hmm. companies that aren't doing as well will typically have more salespeople to marketers, which means that they're doing more of a sales motion. All this stuff, as you guys are listening, is found out by just searching and paying attention to who you're talking to, right? Yeah. And so now you could actually build a list. So you look at all those main roles that you're talking to and you can actually plug that in. So you search by that custom list you built in the accounts and you can actually go in, search and find the different titles. And it takes a really deep understanding of who you're selling to to figure this out. And so is it the marketing director? Is it the VP of marketing? Is it a marketing associate or an analyst? It really depends. And it might even depend on who you start talking to first, but you have to map out this entire process. And what happens all too often is this part whole part is skipped. And so a lot of salespeople just don't know who to call or how to approach them in a way that is meaningful. You cannot skip this step. Figure out who those accounts are that you are best suited for. Figure out who in those accounts are the people you should be talking to that you can fix something or at least have that meaningful conversation right away. So maybe in marketing, you talk to the the entrepreneur and, you know, so is that LinkedIn, your headcount spin has dropped. A lot of companies right now are having issues with pipeline management. You know, marketing could fix that for you. Would you be open to a conversation? But as you're having those conversations over and over and over again, this will change that pitch and you'll get better. But if you're talking to, you know, professional services and you're talking to legal and accounting and everything across the board, as you know, like people, you don't get recognized for anything, but you also don't build that knowledge of who you're talking to. And so it's, it's really uncomfortable And once you've talked to the same type of person a hundred times and you feel confident and you can own it, you'll never want to do go back to that other feeling that you had before. You'll (laughs) stay there. And that it takes a little bit though. You know, it's not always the most comfortable, easy thing, but build your account lists, build your lead lists. And there's some gold here because once those are built and you go on sales navigators, home screen, What you can actually do is just below, if you scroll down, just before where the feed starts, there's a, you can, there's a filter sort by and there's accounts or there's leads. And so this is how you can be very purposeful using LinkedIn and work it, not just have fun on LinkedIn. And so every morning I have a routine that I actually schedule into my calendar and it's super important to be consistent and not be reactionary. So don't just go on LinkedIn all day. Book time to be on LinkedIn. And so this is my process. I post a piece of content and then I open sales navigator and I start commenting on my leads on those accounts that are really high value. So whoever I picked, but you can sort by leads and the people that have posted recently and I can engage. I'll just spend a half an hour and sometimes I'll do five comments. Sometimes I'll do 50. It just depends on who's posting what and if I can easily come up with a comment. 
you can't just put great post. That's awesome. Where so many people fail is they don't add value. It doesn't feel like a compliment. It feels like it was just busy work. And so it's a big compliment when you go and leave a meaningful comment. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be an expert. You can just appreciate what they're posting and the relevance to your job or to something you're interested in. So you're commenting, you posted content, and now you start connecting. The whole point of this list is you have to keep bringing the right people into your network. So as you're posting content, it people will start coming to you just like regular marketing, right? And so I do this in the morning, my content, my comments, and my connection requests, which you're allowed 100 a week. If you go over 100 a week, you go in LinkedIn jail. And uh, <laughs> it's really hard to get out of LinkedIn jail. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something, something to be very careful about. But then stop. Once you've hit that, just stop. If you're wondering about what to say on a connection request, if they're a second degree, don't write anything. If they're a third degree, you can write something. But what happens a lot of the time is people write sales pitches. And unless it's highly relevant and there's a timestamp, a due date, an expiry, don't write anything. Just keep building it organically because this is, you're going to be going a little bit slower with this process. And then once you hit your 20, you're done. That's it for the morning. Then you go in whatever you're doing next, cold calls, emails, should be the bulk of your morning. And then you're going to have your either fulfillment or your meetings. Now you get to the end of the day. Now, in the end of the day, you book another half an hour. And what you do is you respond to all of the comments that you got back and keep driving that conversation. Just having a very open conversation. You'll find that when you're adding value and you're helping people solve problems, people will naturally just ask you for meetings or they'll connect with you or they'll start building that relationship with you, which they'll start referring you. When people connect with you too, so you've, you've responded to all the comments. What you also want to do is all the people that connected with you is you just want to say thank you. Happy people and people that are open will respond back. You're welcome or thanks for connecting. It's it's a sign that psychologically they're open to communication and conversation. And so look at something that's meaningful. You could start the conversation. A lot of salespeople will focus on going going for the kill. And so they'll they'll dive into a pitch. It doesn't work because you haven't earned the right to pitch yet. We have to go and qualify them to see if it's of interest or if it's on their radar. The hardest thing to do is get somebody to change. They have to decide that on their own. You might give them information that, you know, once, once you tell them, they can't unhear it. Like with AMP's work, with case studies, if you present a really great case study, and once they know they just can't unknow, they might decide to change, and now might be the time but you can't force them to do that. And that is your simple LinkedIn process to build pipeline is just two parts. In the morning, you're gonna go and post a piece of content, you're gonna comment, and you're gonna send your connection requests. In the evening, you're going to go and respond to comments, and you're going to go and start direct messages with the people that connected with you. Keep it really simple. <laughs> LinkedIn sales nav is not the easiest thing for direct messages. You're going to want to go and put it in just regular direct messages so that you can actually see it on your phone unless you want to have the two different apps. Something to keep in mind. 
Uh, CRMs, Microsoft Dynamics, Salesforce, and HubSpot will integrate, but your work has to pay for it. It's a, there's a couple hoops to jump through. Mm. But if you're an individual and you don't want to spend the extra money, because I get that, I don't want to spend the extra money. You can also go and add another tab, another list in your lead list. And I call it prospects. And all it is, is those people that were genuinely interested and started having conversations with you. So you don't forget them. So you can keep that conversation going. And then if you're using HubSpot or any of the other sources, when you go and send them a meeting link, when it makes sense, when they've asked to meet with you, then it goes to your CRM. And now you track it in your CRM. And the whole point of this process isn't to eliminate everything else you're doing. It's to make strategic investments into you and getting your customers to come to you while you're going to them. So it's think of it like stackable revenue. You're doing different activities that are compounding. And the longer you do this, the more momentum it builds and the bigger it gets. It's like building a great website or running a podcast. They're all bigger investments. And the more people that hear about it, the bigger it gets and the more it does for you. And so... LinkedIn right now is the opportunity because people trust it. People ha- understand how to use it for the most part. And most people are on it. So like you can get access to just about anyone. I'm going to throw it out there right now and you guys can call me out for this. I think that TikTok is going to hit maybe in a year, year and a half because more pe- more sophisticated buyers are getting onto TikTok and they're experimenting with it. And the comments... And the communities that are being built are getting more sophisticated and helpful. People aren't necessarily making buying decisions there yet. It's more entertainment and education, but it's something to put on your radar. But right now, if you act now and you take it seriously, LinkedIn will build you business. Hmm. You just got to treat it like an activity and do it purposely. You're listening to Authentic Influence. Learn the tips, strategies, and practices for taking your influence to the next level. Now, back to the show. That's fantastic, Nick. I've got a couple of questions coming from just your TikTok comment. So, obviously, TikTok is a video platform, um, and you know that that's and it's short. It's I don't know how many seconds the videos go for, but, um, and it is entertainment. I can see, yes, you know, we're in very early stage of the platform where, you know, Facebook was in the early days when it was only for college students and then it moved and then it became the millennial. I mean, then it became the the boomer place for boomers to be on. Um, Mm -hmm. and then people started to migrate younger audiences migrated off uh, Facebook to, to, to Instagram and then they went to TikTok. Uh, so on LinkedIn, in terms of content, what are you finding is, should we be investing in video? And if so, is that the main thing to try and mirror what's going on with TikTok and other platforms or, or, or is there still a place for text, uh, text content? Uh, I'm just, yeah, in terms of format, what are you seeing working right now? It's a great question. You're opening up a big can of worms. We're actually talking about on the live show on Friday because we've been experimenting a lot with this, but they keep, LinkedIn keeps changing their algorithm and it's based a lot on, on like Google, the Google algorithm, like there's like hover, there's hover timers, people hovering over and it looks like they're reading it. Are they engaging with it? And so they realize that a lot of people just consume, but they don't actually engage. And so now it's based on consumption. Same with TikTok. If you don't get enough 
engagement, they'll just stop showing your stuff because they people deemed it irrelevant. And this is why it's so important to pick your audience so you can be relevant. Uh, text. Text is a good place to start. And I actually recommend starting in comments because when you start giving value in comments, you start to see trends because you're responding to questions or concerns and you keep writing down those things, those topics. You might even go on an influencer's post and look at the, your target customers. What are they engaging with? And you can actually find those trends and that's your, your content. But uh, I'm noticing right now for the first time ever um, or first time in a while, Images are doing really well, especially carousels, something that's really simplified and easy to consume. Mm. Uh, videos, they're hard because what happens with video is most people will only watch 30 seconds or less and they'll tune out unless it's highly relevant. But what we're seeing right now is there's a trend to longer form. So the more value you give and the more often you show up and the more consistent you stay over time, more people will dive in and consume. And so I've seen a lot of really big influencers. They'll do a text post with a video and some will watch the video and some will read the text post. But the key is, is whatever drives a community in the comments, because that's what gives you reach. You might have followers, but that's not enough. Nobody has all the followers of their entire market, but you want to go and get the right people commenting to give you market research, give you more knowledge so that you can approach the right people at the right time. They say that only about 3% of people or 3% of your target market is in a buying mode. The reality is if they're in buying mode and you're on their list, you're gonna get a call. Mm. We need to focus on the other about 60, I think it's 64% that are neutral. They don't really need anything right now, they're good, but they're open to learning. So I like video, it's a great thing to invest over time. Um, same thing with LinkedIn and like hybrid virtual events, people, they're craving community. They either want to be with their peers or buyers of their peers, where they can go and share information in an entrusted, safe environment. And so that's another really big one, whether like what we're doing right now, Facebook groups, uh, YouTube has different communities. Slack has different communities. You could just hang out there, learn a lot about your customers and sell. I've sold from slack communities hmm. it uh it's a tough one but yeah video is a great platform it's finicky it's tough it's still new and so the consumption isn't as much as some of the text posts but it, it's so hit or miss like before if you would ask me this a month ago i would have had a different answer but they did an algorithm update a week and a half ago and it changed and I, my uh, reach dropped by half. Like I would, wow. a lot of my polls would get like 10,000, 50,000 views. And now I'm at about a thousand to 4,000. Mm -hmm. And so part of this is why you got to keep updating and trying new things is because the algorithm will change and then it makes you irrelevant. Look at how all the people that paid for Facebook pages and then had to go in you know, built it all up organically and then had to pay to access it. So you got to That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I like the diversification point. I think it's worth, it's also, it, it encourages you to test your ability to convey message through different mediums and different formats. Um, like you say, carousel forces you to simplify the message because you really have image, 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 and you know, think of it like a slide deck. Um, mm. 
and the best slide decks are not, you know, overloaded with text. Uh, and so, you know, that actually helps. I mean, great point um, on that. Uh, you talked about just how to measure success. Well, you kind of alluded to it. Um, let's jump into what should sales managers be tracking on LinkedIn? Because there's a lot of things you could be tracking um, and, you, you know, we can get into overwhelm very quickly. Um, but what do you, what, what are some of your thoughts around, yeah, metrics and, and, and how do you track pipeline or how do you track sales performance through a tool like LinkedIn? I'm going to, I'll go really simple. And so say your quota is a million dollars. You never want to shoot for the bare minimum. You don't make any money. And it also doesn't earn you the freedom to go and do what you want to do. So say you want to exceed it by 25%. So that's 1.2 million, 1.25. Now, if you have a closing rate of, let's say, well, I'm going to be making some really crazy numbers for myself. Sorry, guys. Let's say you close at 10% just because it's easier math for me. That means that you're going to have to have $12.5 million sitting in the next 90 days, depending on your sales cycle, how long they are. You're going to have a certain number, but it's based on how your conversations normally go. So once people go into your process, how many convert to customers? And those opportunities, the ones that have been qualified and said, yeah, I need you guys. That's where you get your pipeline number. Think of this like red light, yellow light, green light. If you drop below a certain point, you're going to be in yellow, if not red. That is a sign that something's not working. So maybe they don't know who to talk to. Maybe that the tactics they're using for outreach aren't working. Maybe their audience isn't or whoever they're targeting aren't on LinkedIn or cold calling's not work or uh, their email sequences are just not landing. That's your first step. Now, if you've identified LinkedIn as an issue, a really simple one to go and track is, okay, for every, because you're maxed out 100 a week connection requests, send out 100 connection requests. How many of those people connect with you? What's the percent? If it drops below 30% or 50%, it tells you that there's problems in your profile. That's why we track this. And then from those people that connect, how many start conversations with you? What's that percentage? And then those people that start conversations, how many book meetings? Closing doesn't matter here. LinkedIn isn't a platform to close business. That's why a proposal shouldn't be shouldn't connect and then hit them with, you know, a first email that's basically a proposal. You don't do that. You know, you, you don't on the first date you get to know them, you know, <laughs> jump in bed with them. So you got you gotta slow your roll. Uh yeah, let me just yeah respond to that. I think um, they're very easy metrics to 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 keep an eye on. Uh, I, I like kind of you you're thinking about the the buyer journey, and then you're you're mapping particularly actions on LinkedIn to that. And this would this would apply across different platforms too. If you if you're doing lead yep. gen, you know through you mentioned you know I don't know if Slack's the best way, but if whether it's Slack or if you're going to at some point you're going into TikTok. Um, Twitter, whatever it is, same thing, right? So um, now a question I'm sure it's going to come up here is going to be, okay, what happens, right? I follow, you know, I, I do the connect request, they accept. Okay, how do I move from that activity to then getting onto a sales call? And what should I be saying to, to my prospect or lead you know, in that process? So what I've found is that slow wins. 
And so think of it like um, a pilot or a dress rehearsal. And so what I used to do is I used to go in, connect, um, and I would dive into a pitch, but it'd be like a soft pitch. So it'd be like either like a an email, initial email type outreach, or it would be a cold call to- type outreach. And what I found is that unless there wasn't, if there was an immediate need, sometimes it would be too fast. And so what I actually started to do was slow it down. I only have four messages that I send, but I just say a thank you. From that thank you, I'll look at something that I can provide unexpected value. And so if they respond back to me a thank you, I'll look at their profile and I'll look at something that I know is an issue and I'll ask them what they're interested in, that race to commonality, something that we both have in common in work. And so if they say, hey, you know, I really want to get better at email and I just don't know how to do that. What I'll do is if we have a podcast episode, somebody else has a podcast episode, somebody writes a really good email guide, I'll flag them in my in my CRM or however. A lot of time I'll put it in the CRM because it's easier just to go and search and then I'll send it to them. And then from there, usually it'll get to, you know, like, was that helpful? And then I'll turn that into, hey, well, maybe we should dive into this and have a meeting, kind of that meet and greet. If they don't respond to anything, my fourth email or my fourth direct message isn't necessarily a breakup because we're already connected. I'm like, it sounds like this isn't of, you know, of interest with you right now. Maybe we'll circle back later, but I appreciate your time. A little bit different than doing an email or a cold call script. If you know that regulations changing, pricing's changing, there's some some immediate need or maybe one of my favorites is oh a competitor just bought from you, you know the exact role of that that title of that competitor that bought and why they bought cuz you went interviewed them to go and find out. I turn that into a message and I'll reach out, I'll connect with them and I'll say, hey, you know, your competitor's doing this. Curious to see what we're doing with them? Because that's immediate. There's a there's a sense of urgency. The other thing with LinkedIn sales nav is there's triggers. So as you're connecting with people, people might get a promotion and they might get into the C-suite or like senior leadership where they own a budget. I'd reach out to them because the first 90 days, they want to make an impact. I'm like, hey, Congrats on the new role. You know, I'm over here in Calgary supporting you from, you know, I'm over here in Calgary supporting you from long distance. Um, I've worked with a lot of companies that have gone through the same thing. You know, use me as a resource, Nick. And that's when I'll do a personalized invitation. And it's just, it's reasons for people to go and use you as a resource, see you as something that can accelerate their career, or help them with the friction and provide them with a solution. It, it's a bit of a hard answer. But what I've noticed is LinkedIn is anytime you rush without a, something that's actually urgent, you're imposing your time frame on them and people just walk away from the table really easy. It's not like email and cold calling. You can push a little harder on that and because it's more dynamic and it's synchronous. Hmm. A lot of, a lot hmm. of well, email will be asynchronous, but people just walk away. So if you slow it down, and you're producing content, you're getting them to be part of that learning. When you actually send them a thank you too, you bump them, you bump yourself up in the feed because you're now engaging with them and they deem you relevant. And so they'll actually see more of your content. And so it, and Amph, I'm sure you guys look for this too. There's triggers. 
Yeah. You know, did multiple people come on your website and fill out a form? Did somebody just get a promotion? Did they just do a funding round? Did they, these are the things that you need to go and research in your customers to see what was that trigger? What was that act that pushed them over the line? They said, oh my God, I got to act now. That is what you want to make immediate. Everything else, you just keep investing and you invest into conversations. And that's why I actually do more in comments than I do in direct messages because it spreads and more people will join that conversation. And I may have messaged one person that wasn't interested, but the other person was, and they'll message me and they'll, they'll ask for a meeting. Yeah, I really like that, that approach. And I think it's, um, it, it's a good way to leverage uh, and a, a mutual sort of friend of ours, String Nguyen, she, she uh, likes to say often that, you know, commenting is also content. Um, Absolutely. And, and you can really showcase your expertise and, and just your thought process and, and that you're listening uh, by, by dropping a really great comment. And you mentioned that earlier in this conversation. So those are great tips um, and really good thoughts around that. So we're going to sort of close this uh, conversation. I know we've got this. I've got a bunch more questions I want to talk to you about, so I'm going to have to bring you back later this year. Um, sure. But uh, let's wrap up with with uh, a question that that uh, is more around coming back to to intent around an understanding of customer. So, uh, how can customer or market knowledge make or break your strategy? There's people that need you more than others, and there's certain people you wouldn't talk to your child the same way you talk to your spouse. The problems that affect the day-to-day -day of your daughter will not be the same that affect your wife. And the sooner we realize that there's jobs to be done, when we're talking to these people at work, why do they need us? Well, it's because they're doing something in their job and either they want to get better at their job, which most people do, or there's something getting in the way of doing their job well that we can't look at thousands of people, different types of people and figure that out. And so the deeper we get into that, the specifics of the whole thing allows us to have that conversation that sparks their interest. And it gets, those are honestly, those are the meetings worth paying for. You know, I might go and approach somebody and say, Hey, you know, I see that your reps are pulling or most reps are pulling email scripts off of off the internet and they're getting less than a 3%, 2%, you know, response rate per gardener and scorching the earth behind them, killing their target market. <laughs> you know, what if we could go and change that and give you an option with social selling that is more effective and doubles your meetings? Interesting but I could never figure that out. I could never say that statement until people tell me that's important because mm -hmm. everything's just an assumption. It's the same reason why when we come home from work, the things that we talk about with our spouse or our friends might be really interesting to us, but they could not care less. <laughs> and this is the issue that salespeople, marketers and business owners have is they don't realize that people don't care about them. It's not like, and I don't mean that as harsh as it comes across, but when they're connecting with you, with they're following you, what they care about is what you guys can do together, that collaboration. How can you help each other? Or how, what, what have you done that they've, they need to do? And you can, you know, ease that process. We got to redirect our attention from on us 
to on them. And the only way we can do that is by asking questions and diving into who is, who are they? Thousand percent. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm going to reiterate just what Nick is saying here. It, you know, it's, it's not about you. It's about them <laughs> uh, and shifting into that, um, that mindset and that mind, that mind frame and that different space. I think it, it, it's you know, empathy. I think it, they've done, I know you've, you've seen the research, Nick, but you know, empathy is like the number one or number two skill for any effective salesperson um, and the ability to listen, uh, you know, and listen with intent, right? So it's not just listening to where, where's the opportunity to sell, but where's the opportunity to really help this person. Uh, and in some cases, helping that person means not working with you. It actually means, you know, yeah, we're not a good fan. Yeah, we're not a fit, and, and, and that's what it is. Um, so let's wrap up with two questions here uh, that I typically ask my guests. One is, hmm. um, what's a, a resource, whether it's a book, a course, or something, you know, even a podcast um, that you think is essential for every salesperson? Ooh. Yes, The Science of Selling. I can't remember if it's David Hoffeld. David's going to give me heck. He's going to be one of my guests on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> the science of selling goes into psychology. And it was actually what I was already researching social psychology, neuroscience, and behavioral economics, but I was trying to take these really arbitrary big ideas and actually point it to sales. And then I was talking to somebody and there's like, somebody's already done that. There's a book and it I is beautiful. Mm. And uh, if you want to go over this process again, that we just went over today in a little more detail, that uh, featured podcast episode on my page is all about how to use LinkedIn. So you could go and dive into that a little, little deeper too. Yeah, we'll link to that. So it's the science of selling proven strategies to make your pitch influence decisions and close a deal uh, by David Hoffeld. So yeah. we will link Gold. to that. Uh, thanks for the recommendation. And the final question for you, we started this episode uh, off talking about mental health. Um, mm -hmm. So what's one or two things that you do for your own mental health? Nicholas, I have a routine. I know it sounds silly, but have a routine that starts your day and ends your day. I cannot promise anything during the day. It, it's, it's human nature. We're a little chaotic. And so somebody will have a fire or something will happen that I just wasn't expecting. So I can't control if somebody misses a meeting or if I have to go and run and pick my daughter up because the bus didn't show up with COVID. I can't predict any of that but I can always start my day the same way and I can always end my day the same way to give myself that consistency that doesn't make me go crazy, but also creates a healthy balance between work life, home life. Because once you've done that and your end of day routine, turn off the computer and get away. Don't go back and make sure people know that. So that way you can invest in yourself, read a book, have hobbies, Work doesn't have to be a hobby. Even if you love it, the more hobbies that you have, the more interesting you are, the more people want to talk to you. I hid for a long time and I don't know why. I'm a competition home brewer. Uh, we have a competition coming up in February, kind of the tail end, February, March. People find it really interesting. I, I've been doing it for a while now, so I don't, <laughs> I like drinking the beer. Is the, do I find it as interesting? No, but they like to ask me questions. And that's what earns me rapport and relationships. So invest in yourself, have a routine and get out of the office, even mm -hmm. if it's your little hidey hole at home. hundred percent, hundred percent. Just out of my curiosity, what's involved in preparing for a brew contest? What, what do you actually need to do? 
it, there's a lot. So a lot of it is getting your inspiration. So I'll give you an example of one that I did this year. I wanted to go and brew an IPA, mm-hmm. an Indian pale ale, but there's a variation called a New England pale ale. And you hops are these kind of look like a cone or a flower yeah. that have essential oils. Those essential oils, depending on when you add them into the beer, add different flavor. And so it's it's a deep understanding of the chemistry to go and brew beer, but it, it's also knowing what flavors you want. And so I wanted something that tasted like tangerines, like a tropical adventure in your mouth. And so I spent time researching the different hops and what, what temperatures I could add them and what quantity would give me that flavor I wanted. And so a lot of it's looking at food that we love. Like one of my favorite beers to brew is a raspberry wheat beer. And what I looked at was raspberry pie. I wanted the buttery flavors of the crust with that like brown sugar notes with that like nice tartness of the raspberry. And so a lot of it's just appreciating things that we, you know, eat and drink all the time and just putting it in a new form. That's amazing. And I'd imagine it take you a few iterations to to kind of nail the profile that you're looking for. Um, Sometimes you get lucky and you get it in the first one or two. Not usually. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fantastic well hey we wish you best uh for that contest i'm going to follow up with you uh, to see how you do with that i thank want to you. see a post on linkedin <laughs> um, Deal. breaking it down uh so thank you for joining us today uh if you're you know listening to the podcast obviously subscribe share it out i'm sure there's some tips and insights you got from the episode if you're on linkedin and you should be by now uh go and, and connect with nicholas thicket over there on linkedin uh his website is b2bpowerhour.com they have a weekly it's weekly isn't it the the the, uh, interviews the episodes you guys are doing yeah and then we also have guest interviews twice a week so it's actually three that go a week and one live show there you go uh doubling down on content and uh sharing good stuff so thanks for joining us nick and uh we will like i said we'll have to bring you back for an update on the big contest (laughs) deal i would love to (laughs) thank you everyone everyone. Yeah, next time and uh, yeah, uh, follow the page and, and we'll let you know what's coming up next week. Thank Sounds you. Sounds good. Now, just quickly, if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, just head over to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash podcast uh, and you can grab all the links and things and resources on there and also if you are a conscious entrepreneur got a professional services business working b2b uh, and you've got an interest in building influence and income through showing up serving others and being real then i invite you to join my authentic influence warriors facebook group uh, if you want to do that just head over to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash community okay Thanks for joining in and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Authentic Influence podcast at AuthenticInfluence.co. 